Hello everyone, this is Nolan with the 307 RPG Podcast, and I just want to say thanks to all of our awesome patrons. If you like our show and want to support us, you can find us at patreon.com forward slash the Forge Herald. Thanks everyone, hope you enjoy the show. Hello everyone, and welcome to the 307 RPG Podcast. I'm Patrick. Uh, I'm Nolan. <laughs> Nolan, anything new and exciting going on? Gosh, I don't know. Everything just kind of blends together these days. Uh, we did finish up, what, uh, Avengers of the Shunned in probably the the most wrong way possible that we could. We pulled it off. Uh, getting back to Planet uh, yep. of Vampire again, <laughs> which was fun. Um, I'm enjoying that uh it's interesting uh, the trying to play the uh, characters out of time thing has, has been a lot of fun but other than that mostly just trying to stay in trying to stay healthy we've been playing through fall of london for v5 which has been like you said uh, kind of interesting it, it is one of those weird situations where you guys have been given a pre-generated character and i know some of you uh zach in particular messaged me after the game and and, and said that he actually, because during the game, it felt if it seemed like maybe Zach was irritated with his character, and I don't know if you picked up on that at all. Yeah, a little bit. He he messaged me afterwards and said, "Hey, I, I want you to realize I'm not irritated with my character. I just realized that this was not my time for my character to shine, and needed to play back a little bit, and and also realized that my character had absolutely no skills that were going to help in that situation, and it was obviously time for the Nosferatu and not the Bruja." Yeah, I think it'll be interesting, and and that was kind of the awkward thing too. Of I, well, and I imagine as we go around looking for the artifacts and stuff like that, each person's skills will come up because it's not not usually very often that uh, you have a dungeon crawl uh, in right <laughs> in vampire. So yeah, it made sense, and and that was kind of the thing too. I think I was sitting back and I was like, well, I'm not that much of a talker, and then like as everybody else is like we're underground we're in a situation it's like okay my character needs to come out more and and this needs to be his thing and then he'll sit back and be the muscle later you know i've done a review of fall of london you can check that out on from my rpg library uh, there's definitely issues about this book that i have but i think as a whole it's been kind of fun to, or not kind of as a whole this book has been fun to play through so far the memories are a little interesting because you guys like the last one you guys experienced your characters technically weren't even alive at that point. So it's kind of strange to see how that's working because you're the characters, for those of you who don't know in Fall of London, the characters have gone through what's called the blooding and they have drank the blood of many other members of the cult of Mithras where their memories are skewed. They're not sure if they're remembering their own things or something from someone else. So their their minds are Swiss cheese. So that that was an interesting uh, twist on things, if you will. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I I like it. I like the idea. Again, I would be probably the last person on the planet if somebody said, "Hey, we're playing pre-generated characters. Let's go." I I hate everything about the idea just because it's hard to harder for me to role play because I'm not an actor. I can't pick up a script and pull it off. I have no skills in that arena. So it's interesting because it's I'm having more fun with it. And again, as somebody that's out of time, whose mind is Swiss cheese. It does feel it. It feels weird getting to know yourself at the same time as the character getting to know itself. So I don't feel like I'm not knowing the script. I just feel like I'm learning as my character learns, which makes it a lot more bearable and actually quite a bit of fun. And as the night progressed, there was a couple of times where it felt like you almost had a script because you jumped right in and were just. You could see the point. I think there was a definite point during the game where I, as a storyteller, was like, "Ooh." Nolan's picked up on things and he's really rolling now. And you you really started going at it, especially when you guys were walking back out and uh, that whole trip scene where you started to get really angry. And there was there were some times, you know, during that whole scene where just the, 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 the dialogue that you had with yourself was really intense and really good. Well, I think I it's <laughs> my character is uh, definitely the, the physical one of it and. And it was, I don't know, it was one of those situations, again, where it was just, it was good. I think he started off the night as kind of annoyed with the situation because, again, 
we don't know what we're dealing with. And I think that's the interesting thing there is like, you know, everybody has the advantage on us and everybody's, you know, vampires play their games. And, and it's one of those, you know, again, how do you do that to all of a sudden, like you said, the memories coming back and being in this hostile environment and, and fight or flight. So I'm hoping, I'm looking forward to it as it goes on and seeing the wake of our destruction as we continue to make mistakes. <laughs> Yeah, we'll see what happens. So, all right, so let's jump into the news. Over at 307 RPG, we don't have a whole lot of new. Well, actually, we have no news except for the fact that we are continuing to play games via virtual tabletop apps like Rule 20 uh, and, and using Discord quite a bit uh, as we continue to practice social distancing. Now, I know there was the idea of possibly getting everybody together last week, and I think it's still a little too early, but I am looking forward to the time where we can all get around the table again and not around the computer screen. It's going to be interesting and weird because it's going to be like getting to know people all over again, I think, when it happens, especially if we've played some of these characters and done some of this stuff over. I think you're a different character when you're in person compared to when you're doing it over uh, the Internet. I felt that in Vengeance of the Shun that, you know, Doxy is very much Doxy in person and character, and you lose a lot of that over over uh waiting for other people to talk or you know and where she would just interrupt you and kick the door in you know that's pretty hard to do and you can't scream over the top of somebody or violently you know show your (laughs) your facial expressions you know at the table or whatever so and then in the the same line of i don't know how i'm going to play my vampire character once we're actually sitting at a table because he's he's different than you know he, he doesn't have a, a persona. He's just a voice. So he's going to have to like put a black cloak on and like sit in the corner and just every once in a while say something. Pull my hood up and be like, damn, this is dumb. Yeah. And, and then, then slide then, back yeah. into the shadows. <laughs> that would be pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think it is going to be interesting. I, I, although I am looking forward to it, we haven't. You know, some of these folks we've only seen via the computer screen where we're, you're used to playing, you know, face to face for so long. So it would be. It's going to be good, and I think it'll be challenging. It'll be a whole new world once we finally get to do it. Yeah, looking forward to it. Yep. So over at Dungeons & Dragons, there's no new products to talk about, uh, physical products to talk about with D&D. There's also no new UAs to discuss. However, we do have a new feature on D&D Beyond. Nolan, what can you tell us about this feature? Well, they came out with the uh, Digital Dice Alpha, I guess is what it is. Uh, And it's just a... A, a digital set of dice for your character sheet played with it quite a bit and i'm really looking forward to seeing the people at the table when we come together for our monday digital game of, of just kind of seeing that stuff i if they can sort out how to get that where you can share your screen which i think they're working on it's going to be really good i can i can see playing it i'm thinking back to like dming my first timers games and that kind of stuff how much easier this is going to be it's a really good system they did a really good job with it uh as far as just from initial impression and looks of it so yeah super simple you know make a save click on that save button it does the math for you rolls the dice uh worked with upcasting spells and yeah again if you got i mean it's just another ease of access way of letting people play the game and this here is going to be really 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 helpful for new players of doing the math okay now i add this and i do this and i do that click the button and it'll roll it for you when you say click the button i noticed i was playing around with it too it's literally okay you're going to roll initiative just click the initiative square and the dice rolls yep make a save click this make an animal handling check click the button uh i think the weapon side of things is where it gets bogged down quite a bit when we come time to and we've had this conversation before damage if you don't know what you're looking for you know can really bog down the game and i think this will speed some of that stuff up mm-hmm. the only issue and you did mention it was the the lack of screen sharing so right now you can roll the dice but unfortunately your dm will not be able to see that roll I think that's some of that stuff too. I think it'll be go table by table. I was thinking about our games and I don't know if there's necessarily a spot where I would ever, not with the, I guess with the people that we play with, you know, just being a little bit older adults and that kind of stuff, not saying that people are immature and stuff like that, but I don't feel like I have a lot of trust issues on it. Right. And and, and again, most of it is just about speed and pace of play. So especially when you're playing online and that kind of stuff, when you have, you know, two minutes of radio silence while I'm rolling up, you know, 11 D8 <laughs> plus 51 to try and figure out what I've got and clicking in all the buttons. And then if you have modifiers or riders, uh, you know, piercing or crushing or magic, you know, it, this here just made things a lot easier for a lot of people. And again, 
the goal is getting newer people into it. Uh, and I think this will help significantly. I agree. I think it's a neat idea. I, I like it. Uh, the dice looks good. I mean, there's some, I've seen some other 3D dice that they're just, uh, okay, they're just basic looking dice. But Wizards of the Coast doesn't do that kind of stuff. They want things to look sharp. So they do have these really cool dice. And I think this is what, if you're one of the original subscribers to D&D Beyond, you got a different color dice. Wasn't that correct? I don't know how they did it, but I did get a white set, so... Yeah, I did too. And I think it was like if you were like part of the alpha group of D&D Beyond. Uh, so when it was first launched, I know we were pretty early to jump in on D&D Beyond and use it for our group. So perhaps that's why we both got it. I could dig it. Yeah. Wizards of the Coast also continues to support their play at home, stay at home campaign with new adventures and coloring pages for kids and or adults. Uh, if you're needing some new D&D adventures or if you just feel like breaking out that box of Crayolas, you be sure to check it out. There is a link in the show notes. And you said you've messed with those a little bit with your kids, right? Yeah, the the cartoons are good. Our cartoons, so the the art uh, are just little type of things. You color me type pictures you get at like a diner when you get your kid to just chill out while you're ordering breakfast or whatever. So I really, yeah, I, I've enjoyed them. There's been some fun ones. They're not overly scary. They look fun to draw. They're well done. So. Oh, good. So yeah, there is a link in the show notes if you're interested in checking that out. That's about it for Dungeons and Dragons, unless you found something else that I missed. I didn't see anything. Again, same, same. Just kind of, there's a lot of free stuff coming out. A lot of stuff to get you into the game to see if you like it, test it. Now with this, uh, character sheets are a lot easier to deal with. I mean, it's a lot of good is coming out of as far as if you're going to be stuck at home. Uh, this year, at least, goes a little ways of making it feel a little bit better and an opportunity to be social. So, Over at the Onyx Path, they did have a couple of new releases come out this week. Death is Not the End for Geist the Sin Eater 2nd Edition is now available in PDF or print-on-demand format at drive through RPG, as is Spilled Blood for Vampire the Requiem 2nd Edition. So if you're a fan of these games, make sure you head over to drive through RPG and check those out. Remember, these are Chronicles of Darkness games using the Story Path system. You can always click on the drive-through RPG link at the top of our website. When you do that, it always helps us and gives us a little kickback so that we can continue to buy some of the things that we buy, such as the latest release from Onyx Path for Scarredlands, which is the new chapter of Vigil's Watch. Uh, this is the Yorling of Mansk. Nolan, did you get a chance to look at this? I did. I like. Well, there's a few parts in it I really enjoyed. So it's a it's a neat little city. Uh, I think it they're they're doing a really good job of continuing to build the world, get a feel for it. Uh, we're getting a chance to see outside of some of the cities. Mansk is uh, kind of uh, it, it's not a, a rundown area. It's a different lifestyle area. It's a, it's a trading city of uh, hunters and gatherers and, and trade. Um, and it's not because they're choosing to... Uh, it, it's just that's how they are, which is kind of neat. I, I like that idea. And again, when we look at... I'm used to, you know, we're playing a game, we're dealing with Baldur's Gate, we're dealing with Waterdeep. You know, most of that world is civilized and and it's city hub to city hub. And I... I Go back to Skylands being you know the Wild West, or uh, I think as Matthew Dawkins was talking about it from your guys' interview, is the uh, the heavy metal D and D. Some of these people just choose to continue to live with the old styles, and so that's what this is. It's a it's a hunting, uh, gathering, trading hub style uh, area. But the things that I really liked about it, and some things I had never really thought of, because of what it is, they do have a uh, beast hide value per hide trade. Uh, chart right. in there and I really like that and I don't know why maybe it is out there or it's been a while since I've seen it um, but it, it just kind of came across a thing of I remember playing back in the day and it's like hey you killed this beast perfect let's skin it down let's grab the teeth you know you know let's do this this is another form of making money and this kind of brought that back of yeah I imagine you know bounty boards you know of you know two gold per goblin ear or you know again here uh, a, a dire wolf is four gold where you know a panther's one down to a goat is two silver pieces I don't know why you're out skinning goats but, <laughs> but sometimes hey. accidents happen <laughs> yeah and an elk an elk of all things is nine gold pieces and again it it, it leads a testament to probably the, the area which I really like. So it, it makes me think of when you played uh, Red Dead Redemption, uh, depending on where you're at, different trading hubs 
um, had different values and stuff. So again, we're in Wyoming, you know, uh, an antelope hide is probably this. You show up with a tiger thing that you killed down in Africa and brought all the way back. It's worth more money. So creating this kind of trade system network of, well, that's cool. You've got some rabbits. We have tons of rabbits here. You want to impress me and go get something that we don't see very often. And I should clarify, that is a giant elk. That's nine gold pieces. Don't just show up with an elk <laughs> and expect nine gold in Mansk. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and then so it, it does a good job of building the city, giving you some information about what's going on, a few character hooks or adventuring hooks of some issues. And then a couple of the monsters, just because, again, given the time period, you know, there is some aggressive, uh, proud uh, lions that are still uh, roaming around. There's some unredeemed orcs that are still there. So it still has some wild features to it of what they're what they're doing. But uh, yeah, I just I don't know. It was a good little world building tip. Gives you a little another glimpse into that there. But for me, it was really kind of that that bounty board, the the trapper area to I think that those little things uh, can really help a home game come more alive of, you know, well, yeah, I'll keep that list. And all of a sudden you're out and you see the great white rhino that attacks you. And you're like, we got to go back to man's. So that thing's 35 gold. Like, you know, that's a big deal. <laughs> we um, got to kill that thing. <laughs> it, it just kind of brings back the world to being a little more alive. And, and again, another good player hook of, you know, well, I have a, you know, I have a survivor, or not survivor, uh, outlander background or whatever i'm from mansk i'm known for hunting this kind of stuff right um you know it, it could be a good shoot like well you know hey 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 easy with the hide you know that that's worth some good money back home maybe we can sell it you know and so some good rp value to it as well i thought it was a really good addition now visuals watch is just fleshing out that area so and, and of course they're releasing these every other month uh before or sorry not before so you're you're getting yugman's guide to gelspad one month and then vigil's watch for the scarlands the next month and at the end of this this will culminate into one big book that you can buy i believe they're going to do it at a discount uh if you've purchased all of them uh and there will be a print on demand option if i remember correctly what travis told us I know there is some new Scarland stuff coming out, uh, new projects that they're working on that they are not yet able to talk about. So we have, I did speak with a writer, uh, Katie Griffin, who she'll be on our show next week. Um, she had mentioned that she's working on a Scarland project, and currently they're not allowed to talk about it, which is unfortunate. But she did agree to come back on the show when they can talk about it. So that'll be good. Other things from Onyx Path, they kind of had a busy couple of weeks. Now, we didn't have any news last week because that interview with Matthew went so long. Uh, we have, let's see, the Technocracy Reloaded has launched on Kickstarter. Now, this is a Mage 20 Technocracy book. They are doing a deluxe edition. Now, I, for some reason, I just assumed all the Kickstarters were deluxe editions, but apparently that is not the case, and Matthew clarified that. The deluxe editions are exactly that. They are going to be very, very nice books. And as a result of that, these have a higher uh, buy-in. I think the cheapest buy-in for this Kickstarter to actually get a book is $75. The other thing to remember is that at current, this book is fully funded. In fact, Technocracy Reloaded funded in under 45 minutes, which... I want to say Cults of the Blood Gods funded in under an hour. So I believe Technocracy Reloaded was the faster of the two. And they are just destroying stretch goals. They're absolutely tearing through it. There is an option if you wanted to to get or to add on the Mage 20th Anniversary Edition. As they always do, they always have some PDFs that you can purchase as add-ons at a discount. So if you are interested in Mage and you want a chance to explore m20 i think there's only like six or seven books this could be a great way to get you started onyx path also announced anima as the newest supplement for the trinity continuum this is well this will initially be launched on kickstarter and then move to drive through rpg after the campaign ends and all rewards have been distributed i don't play trinity continuum i've read a little bit about it i knew about it when it first came out but it's never been one that piqued my interest, although I did notice that one of the supplements for this game is the International Wrestling League. And I couldn't help but think of you, Nolan, because I know you love WWE. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> so we're going to have a role-playing game where you get to play the Macho Man Randy Savage and you can do the whole cream rises to the top bit. I'm down. I you can kill my character right after. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so let's shoot over to Modifius. 
I did read in the news from Modiphius that they are encouraging people to check out the RPG Dragon Age. This is, of course, based on the computer game of the same name. Nolan, did you ever play Dragon Age? Too much. Too much. Does it, the idea of an Did you know that there was an RPG for it? It definitely makes sense. It's very much the the original game played a lot like the rule set. It was turn based. The the level up the characters, the feats, if you will. It it felt like that it was already a part of one, like they were maybe pulling from one. So seeing that there is one, it doesn't surprise me, but I didn't know that it was that far along. Now, isn't Dragon Age, isn't it the one that Felicia Day was tied with? She did do an expansion for it, and I don't know how much she was involved with all that there, but I do remember her being a character in the game for a DLC. Okay, okay. I never played Dragon Age. I was so into WoW that I didn't feel like I had time to play anything else. So, But I thought it was interesting that Modiphius is encouraging people to check it out. Modiphius did announce several other miniature releases for some of their other games, including Fallout and Skyrim. Uh, further, they announced a new source book for the Conan RPG, Conan the Exiles. They are just cranking those source books out for Conan. It's a great world. I, you know, and I think that's uh, I, some of these games coming out. Again, I would, I love the world of Dragon Age. I think it's fascinating. I've spent hundreds of hours playing that game across the the three uh, main games and campaigns. So I think anytime you get those kind of opportunities, if it's hit hits home and it's something you like, you know, you you've talked about like the Star Trek one or whatever. Why not yeah. make a game about it? I know there's people. I mean, I would play in a Conan one. I think again, it's kind of that heavy metal scarred lands type thing. There's some weird stuff you're going to see. People are doing some weird issues. You know, I mean, there's just a lot of cool things that can happen out of that one too. I think it would be interesting. Um, God, you know, there's just so many different games out there to play. It's we just need more time. <laughs> <laughs> always, always need more time. Always, yes. Other things from Modifius. I think that actually that was... No, I guess there was one other thing. I didn't write it in the show notes. They did offer... You mentioned the Star Trek game, and that's what made me think of it. They're offering a the Boldly Go bundle, where you can get some of the Star Trek... I believe they're PDFs. Uh, there is a player's side and a storyteller side, or game master side. I'm not sure which one they call it in Star Trek. Uh, so you can get a couple of different bundles and try out this the game. It does use the 2D20 system, as does the Conan game. I've never played with that. I have the, the a couple of the Star Trek books, and I keep telling myself I'm going to read through those one of these days. You know, you know what I should do, Nolan, is is find a writer for Star Trek, uh, Star Trek Adventures, have him on the show, because that always forces me to read the books. Yeah. Chaosium. Now, this is a new one that we haven't mentioned before, but I felt like there's uh, Matthew mentioned that he is working on the Call of Cthulhu, the new source book or the new rule book for Call of Cthulhu. So I thought I'd check out Chaosium because it dawned on me that Chaosium has been releasing Call of Cthulhu books for a long time. And it, it really makes sense to just kind of include what they have going on. So I did reach out to them and ask if they could please start including us in their media releases. And well, by God, they did quickly. They just announced a new expansion for the tabletop RPG RuneQuest uh, called the Pegasus Plateau and Other Stories. You ever hear of RuneQuest, Nolan? No, I don't think so. I don't think this so. This is an older game. This one's been around for quite a while. So it is a fantasy RPG. Uh, like I said, there was this new, and it looks like it's a storybook, so Pegasus Plateau and Other Stories. There's a link in the show note if you want to check it out. They also announced a couple of new releases for uh, Call of Cthulhu that are available on RPG. Uh, I cannot remember which ones. Is something Mansion of Madness, I believe, is one of them. So it looks like there are just some revisions of older adventures that are available on RPG. So be sure you check that out if that is your kick. Uh, one other thing before we move on to the topic of the night, uh, we mentioned last time that we are going to announce who the winner was of our RPG giveaway, and that was David Meso. David is in Spain, Madrid to be exact, and he was shipped the everything that we promised him, which was the Chicago by Night source book, the uh, POD version, the Scarredlands Players Handbook for Pathfinder, a set of Kraken Dice, and of course a set of 307 RPG stickers. Those are in the mail and on their way to David. So hopefully he enjoys those when they arrive. Yeah, thanks for supporting us too. Absolutely. Okay, well, unless you have something else, we can move into our topic of the night. I don't think so. You know, I did get another cycle of uh, Tolis. I did back that one. Um, and they've been just oh, yeah. drive through RPG. They've been, if there's parts of the 3.5 stuff or parts of that book that are have been out, uh, they've been just throwing them 
to me basically in emails for free at this point. And so this week wasn't super exciting other than I got a list of the Tolis sketchbook volumes. And they're, that's literally what they are, is they're just little sketches for different districts, which is the more I get these little side things, I'm I'm floored at just how massive they created this world and I'm, I get more excited about it. But got a, I mean, just a little, uh, a book of, these are the random buildings and art that would be in the temple district that you can show your players or you can draw your own map, uh, the necropolis, the old town below the city, nobles quarter, midtown, and they're uh, just, just books with art. That's really cool. In fact, I, I want to throw out there to any of our listeners, if you know someone who is a writer or has worked on Tolis, and specifically looking for someone who has worked on Tolis, we'd love to have him on our show. This, you know, Nolan jumped in on that Kickstarter it looks incredibly fascinating, and it's something I think we would love to highlight more. So, if you know someone who is in, it was contributed to that that setting, let us know because we'd love to have them on the show. Yeah, it's it is a lot of stuff. It's really deep. There's a lot of information. Yeah. Um, and again, just how much how much detail went into it is just. I don't know, gets me kind of fired up to write my own tale or even just play in this place and get to know it better. But looking forward sure. to that one in what next March. So next March. <laughs> well, we should Hurry get the 3.5. Stuff. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, I think that's how it is with Kickstarter. In fact, uh, the game that I'm currently hurry up and waiting for, at least the one that is the closest to release, is our very topic of the night, that being they came from beneath the sea. So last week, we had Matthew Dawkins on the show where he told us about this game that he created, They Came From Beneath the Sea. Tonight, we are going to be talking about the different classes, or as they are known in the game, archetypes, for this absolutely ridiculously fun-sounding game. Matthew did tell us about a little bit about the archetypes, but we didn't go too deep into them, so Nolan and I thought we would jump in those today. So we're going to start with, there's only five, so this shouldn't take us too terribly long to go through. We're going to start with the first one, which is called the Everyman. Now, the every you have to understand with these archetypes, they are very general. You can choose to be an Everyman and then choose something in that category of the Everyman. And now think about the old science fiction movies, and you think about the the hero who was either like a government agent or he was just the average Joe who happened to get involved because maybe he's trying to save his family. So I, when I think about the Everyman, I think about like the local mechanic who has a shop close to, in this case, we're going to say the beach because they came from beneath the sea. And he's working late one night and he happens to see this weird green glow coming from the beach and he checks it out and, oh, look, there's monsters attacking. So you have this everyman who is this shop owner. He's a mechanic. So... That's kind of the concept of the everyman. It's like the factory worker, the local shop owner, the mayor's wife, even a sports enthusiast. Maybe you were the jock on the football team and you're being drugged into this. Or maybe you local, represent the local union. Um, all these different ideas that you can come up with as the everyman. Don't be a law enforcement officer. That comes later. So just your average Joe. So there's a couple things when you build a character within They Come From Beneath the Sea. You have some skills that you're going to choose from, and every man has some that they're highlighted, like aim, culture, larceny, and technology are all examples of the skills that an everyman might have. There's some trademarks that, that all characters get to choose, and these trademarks are... They're, kind of how you behave within the game maybe you're a mama bear or perhaps you're a jack of all trades or maybe you're that guy that can fix everything or you're the manager you're the guy who likes to call everybody to go on strike or you know so the things like that you just kind of think of those ideas of like these trademark things that you can do tropes are another big deal within this game and there are several tropes that i think are just kind of funny so you get to pick i think it's three tropes to go with your everyman character the first one is your grit and determination. And it, and I'm just going to go highlight a couple of these. So the grit and determination. You never let not knowing anything or not knowing a thing stop you. With a little grit and determination, you can rise to the challenge. Roll one extra die on actions that are outside of your character's archetype. The other one that I thought was hilarious was an honest day's wage. 
You aren't rich, but you always seem to have money on hand and ready whenever the situation requires it. You can always bribe an incidental character or pick up whatever gear or items that you need as long as it makes sense. The director, or storyteller, is the final arbiter on what makes sense. So <laughs> I think about this, like, um, how many times when we're playing in Scarred did Doxy say, oh, yeah, I have that. Oh, oh yeah, I, I have that. Yeah, I, I have that item, too. And it, it just struck me as this would be the kind of character that she would play. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Um, and then I love the, like, if you think about, um, what is it, Danny Glover's character in um, uh, Lethal Weapon, his, his catchphrase was, I'm too old for this shit. So there's the trope, uh, I don't get paid enough for this. And it's sometimes the situation is just not worth what you're getting out of it. You can declare, I don't get paid enough for this, to have your character immediately leave a scene. Nice. Which <laughs> I love that other there are a few others and i don't want to go too deeply into those uh because it'll just take us too long but that gives you an idea so you have those three tropes i think there's what one two three four five six seven eight nine ten ten tropes total that you can choose from and then lastly when you're creating this character you can choose a nemesis and nemesis of course is maybe it's that lady at the pta that that is always baking the better pie than you so uh think 1950s uh ridiculousness as the you know guy maybe he's the homeowner association leader or or something like that so that is your everyman it's your just your everyday joe who happens to get drug into this weird science fiction movie the next class is the g-man nolan why don't you tell us a little bit about the g-man yeah so going into the the similar idea of the g-man and what they are um this is kind of your uh the, the funny the the Danny Glover thing is uh, a veteran police yeah. officer who's too old for this. Uh, this is your deep undercover you know agent who you know the guy who midway through the thing there's a biker and all of a sudden he's like technically I'm a cop you can trust me and you're like well, where did that come from? So yeah you get this kind of this uh, well, again an agent a law enforcement uh, kind of the 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 know it all leader type thing which is kind of interesting it. it looks like kind of the person it came across as like a paladin style to me like they're they're going to follow the law they're trying to protect the this world the society i guess if you would but so g-man is you know kind of what it says here is there's something to be said about a nice pantsuit or three-piece there's uh, also something to be said about well-pressed military or police uniform so you kind of again we all know who they are in those movies it's always that that the cop there so i like that their uh their connections in there was a coffee shop waiter, you know, again, some of that, you know, 1950s, sitting in the diner, working hard type thing. Another interesting class, I, you know, I, I think it, some of the stuff will be fun. The tropes of it crack me up. The Shadow Conspiracy was pretty good. Uh, you aren't paranoid if you're right. And I think, again, every single one of these that you come across really reminds you of, oh, I remember that character. I like the... Uh, uh, <laughs> I've got a file on it, the know-it-all, that was good. Um, it, I don't think I would play a G-Man uh, unless I got really ridiculous with it, like super agent, you know, type thing, the guy that you love to to hate uh, because he's, you know, John Smith, and this is his partner, John Smith. Yeah, the men in black. <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, seems like I, I like the everyman because I can relate with it more, and I always feel like... Uh, the, the G-Man's the guy that's always uh, going to save the town uh, and then dies in the first five minutes. So <laughs> <laughs> I love the trope for the Everyman um, sunglasses. It's all about the look. Gain plus one enhancement when interrogating someone. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, it makes sense. I guess it, it feels like this is going to be the... Uh, this is going to be the guy's like, all right, everybody get behind me, blah, 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 and then gets taken out by a hell goat or something. Yeah, it's, like, wow, it's wiped out by do? the death ray. <laughs> All right, here's what we're going to do. I got a plan. Zap. And you're like, son. <laughs> well, that's just when you insert a deleted scene and you move on yeah. <laughs> and everybody's okay. <laughs> I can't believe you have a twin brother. <laughs> yeah, how did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> the next ar- archetype is the mouth. Now, the mouth is, uh, as Matthew described it, that perky reporter who always seems to have their nose in everything. Uh, it can also be, what, and I think this is hilarious, the, the nosy housewife who's always looking out the window to see what's going on and then gossiping with everybody else and telling everybody, oh, did you hear what Diana down the street's doing? <laughs> Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So some of the skills of the of the mouth are like command, empathy, larceny, and persuasion. Uh, there's a few trademarks that you can choose from. You're hearing it first, folks, or I cannot tell a lie. You know, so you have these different options there. Uh, the tropes are, are, of course, where everything shines. Um, and Matthew talked about the perky reporter. So one of the tropes for the mouth is the press pass. Your press pass is like a golden ticket. You flash it around and people let you into all the craziest places. You can get into anywhere, even if the pass wouldn't normally be allowed. That thing is pretty handy. And I can tell you as a reporter, when I when I was a reporter, uh, my press pass was indeed my golden ticket. I could walk up to anything, flash that press pass, and they would just wave me through as if I just fa- flashed a police badge. So it makes perfect sense to have that as a as an option. Other things that I, I like is the, the the monologue. You give a monologue and people love you for it. Or maybe they hate you. Move everyone's social rating up or down one step after listening. You can use this trope once per session. So these tropes are, are things that you can use throughout the game. Um, sometimes, like, like it says, only once. But they always add a benefit to your character. Or, in this case, a, not necessarily a benefit, but... Or a, a hindrance. And of course, there's nemesis for the mouth as well. Uh, some example characters, like I said, is the neighborhood gossip, uh, the picture-perfect news anchor. <laughs> Can you imagine um, Will Ferrell's character from Anchorman? That's what it is. You imagine Anchorman? Will Ron Ferrell. Burgundy. Yeah. Playing that character? Oh, gosh. <laughs> that would be ridiculous. Perfect time. Yeah, or or perhaps you're that celebrated news journalist who is faking stories. And then you find out your stories are not fake. <laughs> You've been writing about, about the shrimp Cons- man. Who the conspiracy the theorist that shows up. I knew yeah. all along. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so those are three of the five, and these are going to go pretty quickly. We knew they would, but this is just to kind of give you an example of what some of the things that you could do in this crazy game. Nolan, tell us about the scientist. Well, Again, the picture of it is just fantastic. It's it's the mad oh, scientist. No. Uh, it seems like uh, this would be a good one where your utensil or your uh, your prop, and this one here could really lead to your character because it kind of discusses, uh, you know, whether it's a you have the suit or you have your flask or you have you know your tongs or you know you, you have the some sort of you know your Geiger reader or whatever you know your your some sort of tool that proving that you were correct the whole time. Uh, I really like that part of it. Um, again, lots of backgrounds for this one here, whether it's just kind of a, the nosy bookworm student all the way up to government researcher, uh, the you know some random lab tech, something like that. Uh, I like that one of their trademarks was high blood pressure. So again, <laughs> being a, a high-strung style Eureka, I can think of like playing like a Doc Brown or something like that who's just... Oh, you know, yeah. Manic kind of about the science. That's uh, a great example of a scientist for this. The the tropes on it were, you know, again, I like the uh, the weird science. You know, some of that stuff is really like, yeah, okay, I can see that. The one I really like was atomic power. You have a single item that is nuclear powered. Uh, when using combat, it has the, the deadly tag. Otherwise, it apply, provides a plus one enhancement when used on specific function. But I just like the idea that you've got this, you know, what's that little thing do? Oh, it's, you know, it's right it's a nuclear powered you know whatever and like everybody's just like why the hell do you have that for you know dissecting insects or whatever like it's ultimate power source why wouldn't i have this you know? <laughs> uh nemesis in here i liked was uh invaders which was kind of funny you know like the people that have been <laughs> you've been searching your whole life studying and doing this stuff and they're like you know parasitic host that's right next to you watching you work that has just like been hindrancing you this whole time um so they're just right next to you watching you work. I thought was kind of a fun to take. Uh, what they talk about for some example characters, a nuclear physicist uh, concerned with the destruction of all humanity, high school chemistry teacher and football coach uh, <laughs> who hits the yeah. weight room in their off time, which I think would be a blast to play. Uh, just the, that's 
play a dumb jock that is brilliant and says it in dumb jock voice. Oh God, that'd be ridiculous. Uh, you know, I, what is it? I thought there was, and I can't remember where I read this, but there was something about the scientists um, where they have like, gosh, where was, I wish I could remember where I saw this, but it, it's like, they always have something um, like, like a atomic powered car or something like that, where that's like you can have a scientist that just has this weird, crazy thing. It's like, wait, hold on. We can all get there. If we go in my atomic powered car. Jeez, that's awesome. <laughs> and that's, you know, this really does show you, I mean, yes, you can play. They came from beneath the sea as a horror game. Uh, some of those classic sci-fi movies were horror films. But you can also play them as this ridiculously fun, goofy, have a blast kind of game. And I think, and I don't know how this would set up to a one shot or to a full campaign, but I think this is really designed to play that one shot as a movie. And and the scientist and this or mad scientist, whatever you want to play, is really one that would be fun to do. I love your idea of a jock who's actually a scientist but talks in that jock voice. I I think that would be hilarious again, and it'd be one of those like the everyman shows up or whatever, and he's something like, oh, you know. Not bad. I see, you know, you're doing bicep curls and stuff like that, you know, and then just jump into, well, you know, are you getting enough amino acids, you know, or you start breaking down its diet and be like, well, we we could get you bigger. Like, no, those are some nice gains, bro. But, you know, listen, if you really up on your compound X, you know, and and multiply by this and Y and you hit this every other day, well, you see some significant growth. Yeah, exactly. And the everyman's just looking at him like, what? Like, I don't work out. I, this is natural. Like, it's just that that person that's like it's the the pretty girl that takes off her, or the, you know, the nerd girl that takes off her glasses and all of a sudden she's the hot chick. It's like, she's it's just naturally right. beautiful. Like, I, I'm naturally thick like this. What do you do for a living? I, I'm a pool boy, but I've got this gun and this tan and, you know. Yeah, okay. I have this this 12-pack abs and this beautiful tan, and I don't know what you're talking about amino acids for, but hey, yeah, I got money out. for whatever we need <laughs> because my pool boy job pays so well. <laughs> you don't even know my dad. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the last archetype is the survivor, and I think I had to laugh about this one because I thought back to there was a, a, a sci-fi movie I watched years ago when... I used to watch Mystery Science Theater 3000, which this game really reminds me of. Um, and every, it seems like in every show that I watched, there was always this one guy, this one person who lived out in the woods. Now, and I say guy because it is, you know, 1950s, 1960s, where it was typically the guy. So you have this this war vet, this World War II vet, or this Korean war vet, who just doesn't want to be around society. So they've built their cabin out in the woods and they're just hiding there the whole time but yet they always knew those monsters were going to come out of the sea and the survivor just always seems to be around and you know maybe everybody thinks he's the creepy person who's actually doing all the stuff but truthfully they've been protecting you the whole time so i i like the idea of playing that that cranky old hermit that lives out in the woods that is really the guy that you need and and some of the trademarks of the survivor are built like a brick outhouse <laughs> or as we used to say a brick shit house uh diamond heart emotions i ain't afraid of no fish is that all you got it just oh these cracked me up the tropes for this are last man standing you're used to watching your friends take hits, but you keep going. When determining injury bonus, you can use the injury bonus of whomever is the most wounded on the team. So, yeah, you get bonuses as you get hurt in this game. Nice. And then, of course, you have the grizzled veteran who you are more familiar with your weapon than your own husband. Um, when you take this trope, pick a weapon that is your character signature. Anything that resembles your character signature weapon gains the benefit of this trope. Roll one extra die when using that weapon. So, like, what if your 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 familiar your your weapon of choice is like a spear gun? Because, you know, you were that person who went out to. Oh, there you go. The survivor could be someone who used to be a part of a spear fishing group, and because of the thing she saw when she was under the sea, she had to get away from everybody because it was just too much for her fragile mind to handle. But, boy, you give her a spear gun or a crossbow or something like that, and 
just shoot the hair off a of gnat's ass from a thousand miles away. She's got three or four like hidden huts for watchtowers yeah. along the beach <laughs> exactly. so she can keep everybody safe. She's constantly scanning the beach because she just knows those aliens are going to come back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and of course, you have the you know a couple other things. I love the one that is uh, I'm not dead yet. Screams Monty Python. You aren't mm. necessarily prone to dramatics, but you don't know how to admit when you're down and out. When you don't forget me injury is filled, you gain an additional action with all the same bonuses before triggering a death scene. Now, if you didn't listen to the interview that we had with Matthew, I want to just talk quickly about the the death scene. And I because this had me just cracking up because I think it's hilarious. A death scene and they came from beneath the sea. Everybody gets a death scene. There is no, well, you're dead. You tear up your character sheet and go sit over there until the game's done. You get to do one last thing. And it's usually just a, you know, uh, a phrase or something like that. And even if your body has been turned to a pile of ash, you get one thing. You get a death scene. Maybe it's tell mama I loved her or something like that. But you get to have your death scene, no matter what happens in this game. And no matter how you die. And I think that is hilarious. I I enjoyed that part. That was probably the biggest thing that he, it was one of those, like, you get to roll a bunch of die. You're going to succeed, but this is your last roll. Yeah, <laughs> this is it. You're going out. But <laughs> some example characters of the survivor is, of course, the veteran working hard to get his new life in order and forget about the horrors of war. A hobo wandering the American Southwest in search of a long lost friend. The musician who busks out a living on the mean streets of a major city. Those are all the different survivors. So you can get really creative. Don't pigeonhole yourself into any one of these archetypes. Like Nolan said, you could be that football jock that's actually a scientist and, and understands the how the body breaks down everything and how to properly build your muscles and understands the mathematics behind it and, and the science and everything and and still is that big jock. Um, so don't pigeonhole yourself into things, but keep in mind this is 1950s America. So it's fine to break gender norms. It's fine to break social norms and, and try something different. I mean, let's have fun with the games that we're playing, but just try to think about 1950s America. So obviously the jock who is into amino acids probably won't be walking around saying, bro, they might be saying like, hey, you cool cats or something like that. Oh, wait, that's Carol Baskins. Let's not do that. That'll get us in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, using phrase like, uh, you know, oh gosh, socias and greasers and yeah, you know, cool cats and stuff like that. Yeah, he's one cool cat. I can dig it. Well, dig it's probably 1960s, but you get you get the point. Have fun with it because the game is set in 1950s America. And that's that's all the archetypes. Nolan, if, if you had to choose one of these, which one would you play? I like the everyman. I think that's a lot of fun just because it is a little open um, and... I think that would be a lot of fun. I also like the survivor just being the bad shit, crazy person, but I don't know. They, they all sound fun. Like, I think that's the fun thing that you're talking about. Like it's so open as far as how, you know, I like the news reporter idea. I thought that was neat. But then when you said like the crazy person, that's like spying on everybody, the, the, the town snoop, I was like, Oh yeah, he's the, you know, he's got a, a lens and a camera out of every window, but it's always shaded and dry. Like, you know, it, right. it'd be a lot of fun to be a know-it-all. Oh, I think it would be a blast to be a know-it-all. I, you know, I, I think about like the everyman, and I think you're right. I think playing an everyman would be a lot of fun because it is so. And and this is true with all the archetypes; they are so open. Uh, you can say, okay, I'm the local sheriff, but I'm a G-man, because you are law enforcement, and that makes sense to be a G-man. Um, you can be the local factory worker who is just trying to bust out a living for his family or her family. And you're that everyman. And I, I, I like that idea. I think I would probably, because I was always fascinated by them, I'd probably play a G-Man first if I if I were to choose something. But, you know, honestly, I don't think there's a single archetype I wouldn't play. But I'd probably start with G-Man and then maybe Scientist. Because I think it'd be interesting to be that guy that is always trying to figure something out and... Or maybe it's the scientist's fault that those monsters are here in the first place and he's desperately been trying to figure out how to stop it from happening. And now that everybody knows, he has to come clean. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think there's a lot of opportunities for taking different angles on it. I'm have it be the trope, but as you hit the next level, seeing what really makes it work is pretty cool. Yep, I agree. So that is the archetypes for They Came From Beneath the Sea. There's only five of them, but you can get very creative with those five. Nolan, is there anything else you'd like to add about this game before we move on? If you get a chance, go back and listen to the interview uh, with Matthew Dawkins. Uh, He talks a lot about... uh, just kind of the the ideas behind it, going into it, what he wanted for it, some of the creation. It's really fascinating uh, and a lot of passion. Uh, I, it was one of those things that like it sounded neat. We throw it together as a one shot. And then after kind of deep diving and listening to him talk about it as well, it's something that it's definitely I'm more interested in now than I was before just because of I don't think I understood it as deep as I thought I did. So. Right. Uh, Matthew is very passionate about this game. Of course, it is his baby, and he's very passionate about the next game in the the They Came From series, that being They Came From Beyond the Grave, which think 1970s zombie films, uh, which <laughs> I don't know if it's going to have the same you know humor aspect as They Came From Beneath the Sea or if it's going to be just straight horror. But either way, I'd imagine if they use the same ideas that they did from They Came From Beneath the Sea, it's going to be a lot of fun. So They Came From is soon to be available on DriveThruRPG. Currently not available because it's still going through the whole Kickstarter process. I think you can still get on BackerKit and get a copy, but that might not be true anymore because I know the book has been sent to press. So I'm anxiously awaiting this book. I know we recently got, um, oh gosh, which one was it? We got one of the Kickstarter goals for it, uh, which was the, let me find it here, Heroic Land Dwellers for they came from. I have not looked at that one yet, but that was one of the rewards, that one of the stretch goals that was opened up during that campaign. Uh, they came from was funded through Kickstarter and and they did, it was a very, very successful campaign. So um, yeah, that's, that's all I got for this game. Next week, we will have an interview with writer Katie Griffin. She has come on the show to talk to us about the game. And we, Nolan and I kind of talked about this before, uh, Dystopia Rising Evolution. And Dystopia Rising was originally a LARP that turned into a tabletop RPG. And then this is a new version of the game that Onyx Path has put out. And Katie is one of the writers slash developers for this game. And we had a really cool talk with her about it. Also, another one of those games that we didn't know about until we started doing this. And then the game sounds quite fascinating so it was good to talk with her so we'll be doing uh the the interview with katie next week and then after that nolan and i'll kind of do one of these again where we talk about the classes as they're known in that game the strains for dystopia rising so nolan we've reached that point of the show unless you have something else where we tell people how they can contact us you can get a hold of me on twitter at n lemires and of course i'm patrick and you can find me just about anywhere at 307 rpg Guys, if you have anything you'd like us to check out, any games that that we're not covering that you think we should, please shoot one of us a message and let us know. We're always open to new ideas. It's fun to look at these different games that we don't play and just see what they're like, because sometimes we discover something that, hey, maybe we should be playing. So please take a moment to reach out to either of us and let us know about it. Well, I guess that's going to be it for this week, unless you have anything else, my friend. I don't. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, Stay safe, stay healthy, uh, and all that fun stuff. Hopefully we're towards the end of this. At least we can get back to rolling dice soon because miss everybody. So stay safe, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.